Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. And we are here this evening to talk about 2009's Blood Night, The Legend of Mary Hatchet. But before we do, laden with swearing and spoilers, no doubt. Uh, Chris, what have you been watching in horror since our last meeting? <laughs> so, so I've tried to the do news. something really, really <laughs> well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I've tried to do something really clever tonight. Right, I've posted on Instagram to synchronise with this live event, which is not going to be live for anyone who listens to it. So it makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> but some of some of the people out there may have seen my my story post. So this gives away if you know what I've been watching, and uh, and it's it's played on my mind since we watched it. I wanted to watch it again for years now. Amazing! It was years ago that we watched this. I know, where's and, uh, the time gone? Uh, yeah. Why are we so but, fucking old? <laughs> well, I always wondered, because for me, it really was, like I kept saying, it, it felt documentary-like in its attention to detail. Um, and was it supernatural? Was there a witch or wasn't there? And I'm like, what did the, what did the writer and director, I think, think? think what was his view and interestingly enough I, I decided to look it up which I, I don't tend to do but um, I thought I've got to try and see if he spoke about it so the film is The Witch if yep. I don't know if Adam had figured that out but yeah I'd mention I, it to Lee just before we came on but go on I think I, I think I got it when you said it was a documentary like yeah because supernatural I, or not and I was like Right. Okay. That that does narrow it down, but yeah, I mean, I yeah. said that at the time that that's how it came across to me. Like, it's definitely it's minimal <coughs> to the horror aspects. Now, when you do see the witch, whether she's real or not, it's there's you know that's pretty harrowing scenes with her. Um, but yeah, so I just I really wondered what uh, Roger Eggers. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, what he thought and I came across an interview with him it says the voices of the undead Robert not Roger, Robert Eggers on the witch um, the writer director of this archetypal New England horror story talks about how he pulled a powerful Puritan's nightmare from our collective unconscious and at one point one of the questions is the witch has been likened to a horror film but it's also a gothic study of faith and patriarchy akin to, say, The Devils or even The Village. Now, we haven't mm. seen either of those, but I'm fairly certain you've both mentioned The Village yes. a few times. Oh. Is that someone's favourite film? I assume that's the M. Night one. I watched it fairly recently, so I mentioned uh, okay. in a, a what we've been watching that I'd seen it, I believe. Yeah, Okay. Um, and at times it feels almost like a documentary account of the harshness of 17th century life in America. How would you characterize your film? And he replied with, I wanted this film to be like a nightmare from the past, like a Puritan's nightmare that you could upload into the mind's eye. And it's a folktale, certainly classifying it in the realm of like you've got to buy a ticket and see it. It's a horror movie. But I think also good fairy tales and folktale are always family dramas and a family drama is the most interesting drama. This is what we're always living out in our lives with all of the relationships that we have. And there's a reason why Lear and Hamlet tend to be considered the finest Shakespeare plays. And the reason why Luke, I'm your father and not Luke, I am some guy. And in the complex dynamics of this family within this cabin fever situation, all this Freudian stuff is brewing up and then exploding and exploding in junkian ways. 
and he essentially says you can i don't mind you can view it either way as if there is mm. really a witch or as if it is all just everything's going wrong and you know once things start to break down it's much harder to then deal with the next problem and it cascades into mm. this this nightmare um and, and that's how i i probably prefer to view it when it's um I, I think you know trying to reflect on all the different films we've seen if it's full-on supernatural that's good and i view that in a certain way if it's something where it's mostly real life but with a a question mark something's happening then i tend to think i prefer to think of it that it's in their minds because i find that the most fascinating how um, what we perceive is not reality and we can mm. conjure up all sorts of horrors in our minds when there's you know it's just the wind making a noise so i find that the fascinating aspect of it and so that's why i think this film stood out so much is because it, it really can be seen both ways and it works fantastically for both. It's got that ambiguity there, definitely. Mm. I mean, I personally, with The Witch, I prefer to read that as a supernatural event because that gives it a happy ending, <laughs> if, if you see what I mean. Because otherwise it is just, oh, it's the, uh, at that point it becomes like Brazil or something where it's like, oh, no, she's just gone it's mad. Just, because yeah, well, that is, that, too, is too, that is a downside. Too much. Yeah, yeah. I think because it's a, but also weirdly enough, I think the ambiguous readings are actually quite the scariness. It's like the omen. Like mm. the thing with the omen is, is that if you read it as a battle against the Antichrist, it's quite scary and, you know, so on and so forth. But if you read it as a man slowly goes mad and is shot dead trying to murder his own son in a church. You know, that actually is far worse and far yeah. more horrifying than the birth of the Antichrist, weirdly. But I think I like that thing you said, though, about the family thing, because I think that is something that does come up. I mean, like Poltergeist, Hereditary, a lot mm, of it is centered yeah. around. Yeah. <clears throat> or even yeah. actually, I mean, even, even when it's groups of people, there is that element of family. Yeah, yeah. You know, the I mean, relationships. The class, I mean, well, the classic slasher, I mean, obviously, what well, with what we're covering tonight, but like yep. the classic slasher thing where it's just, a, it's a group of friends mm. yeah. who, you know, are, it's that sort of a family. It's a friend, a family of friends rather than, you know, a biological or whatever family. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's interesting, though, he mentions the devils. Now, I don't think Lee's seen the devils. I'm not sure that... Mm. Um, have you made this? Um, don't believe I have. No. Um, the Devils is fucking brilliant, and it's fucking extraordinary. Mm. It is kind of a horror film, but it's basically it's um, Ken Russell. So already it's fucking mad as a box of frogs, <laughs> and um, uh, Ollie Reed is and it's based it is based on a true story um mm. which was basically this um group of nuns in france um basically accused a cardinal 
of possessing them with the devil and coming to them at night and sleeping with them. And I know yeah. the true story that that's based yeah, on. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that that was what the film was about. Yeah, the Devils of Ludan, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so basically, it's it's that. And, and again, I think Ken Russell goes with he goes with gothic horror, but it is pretty much done from the point of view of no, this is a lot of people swept up in a hysteria mm. and essentially a good man dies. Or not okay. I mean not necessarily good. He's quite a flawed character, but he is he's not what they are accusing him of, and mm. he is not the monster that they ascribe him to be. Um but yeah, I mean, it's like, like I say, I mean, it's it's Ken Russell as well. So it's like lesbian nun orgies and just, yeah, it's fucking insane. There is the line, um, which I think um, Lee's brother Dean had on his WhatsApp for ages, which was um, a crocodile. What fresh madness is this? Yeah. <laughs> Which is a line from because because this is the thing is he um, the the character uh, like Ollie Reed's character is basically although he is religious and believes in God and everything and this is sort of like the Inquisition sort of era, mm. um, but he's also quite progressive, and again that's another reason why the church authorities are quite happy to hang him out to dry, yeah, because he goes around sort of saying well no, this is horseshit, or, you know, and, and and he has confrontations with plague doctors about, like, you know, where it's just like quacks trying on, you know, you know, sort of, and that's where the crocodile line comes from, where it's like wow. they're trying to treat someone and they've got a stuffed crocodile in there for some fucking reason. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it is a fucking brilliant film. It is... Could we get this on the way list? Over the, I, I mean, I would say, I would say, I would encourage you both to watch it. Mm. Um, I'm, again, I think we could put it on. I think we could do it as an episode. But I think, yeah, I think it's one to watch where you're like sort of, you might want to do the episode knowing what you're getting into rather mm. than sort of, because there's, it's a lot. I will say <laughs> that. And there is... Stuff, you I say, mean, not I, strictly horror either, although it's, it's although it's, it is horrific, it's not mm, for some yeah, other, you know, of the story as it is. Yeah. And but I mean he does, I mean, he films it fantastically. And there's a there's a curious thing as well, which is that um the convent isn't sort of sweeping arches and things like that. A lot of it takes place in very sort of clean. Mm. tiled rooms that look almost surgical yeah and you know there is a it's it has very much has its own flavor and it has its own it's ken russell so it immediately does anyway because he's a mad dirty bugger so it's sort <laughs> of <laughs> you know i mean i remember there was uh he was on celebrity big brother once and there was the guy, what was it, Donny Tourette or Danny Tourette from, uh, he was like in a punk band that was fucking, Towers of London, thank you. 
um, were like a punk band who were like sort of big for about two minutes in the 2000s. <laughs> and he was on there talking to Ken Russell and he was like explaining to him the term MILF, but he didn't want to say fuck in front of Ken Russell. And I'm like, <laughs> have you any idea who you are talking to here? <laughs> because, you know, Ken is not going to be shocked. Mm. I know to you, he seems like this sort of like, rather posh old boy but actually no he is yeah he is pure filth and if you've thought about it he's probably done it so you know it's (laughs) but um but i mean it's i I recommend it but it's like one that uh, i think watch it and judge whether we do it on the show because it's like yeah it's not strictly horror it gets mentioned with horror a lot um I mean, I suppose something something similar would be Robert Eggers' like The Lighthouse. Mm, yeah, again, okay. not strictly horror, but it really although hard hard to categorise under much else. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's pretty much the same with the Devils in a weird yeah, way. Like, who, who else will it appeal to aside from <laughs> weird dark people? I, I I mean, it's it is a um, so it's not it's, it's not like it's, light watching. <laughs> It's extreme, yeah. I'll put it that way. And um, there's bits of it that are still cut out to this day. Wow. Where they're like, no, you're not doing that. <laughs> it's like, no, she can't frig herself with the thigh bone of a burnt man. No. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm, really glad the, you I'm went... only using it in those terms. I'm really glad you went back and rewatched The Witch, though, Chris, because, mm. uh, mm. I mean, I remember... Uh, we were impressed with it at the time, and obviously Adam and I have, mul- have watched it multiple times. But I know mm. you're not generally one who goes back and rewatches stuff an awful lot. So- well, it's amazing how much there is to watch. It's hard to, yeah. <laughs> to fit in. But, yeah, I mean, that was certainly one that stood out from early on and amazing how long ago it was. But there you go. Fantastic. Yeah, it must have been, must have been one of our really early episodes, about like yeah. 12 or something, wasn't it? Yeah. It was- yeah. Well, I think if I have I got it right, is it this year that we've been recording for five years? Have I got that right? <laughs> About that, I think it, it could well be. I know my scientific advisor is nodding. Yeah, so. There you go, yeah. So, so yeah, last month we'd been recording this for five years. Bloody hell! Bloody hell! <laughs> it's a bit yeah, I wasn't on one of the first episodes. I wasn't. I was on it after a while, and I was pregnant with Ted, mm. and Ted's four this year. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So yeah, five that's, that's years. a good way to yeah, to yeah. Yikes. Check out the episode Prevenge. Yes, oh, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were on the Lost Boys as well. Don't forget oh, that. Oh, yeah. Shameless self promotion. <laughs> Prevenge was number twenty five. Ah, thank you. There we go. <laughs> it's funny how early we covered some of that stuff. When I think about it now, it still seems yeah. fairly recent. But well, I think the witch. Own. It was actually. It was pretty. It was number ten. Yeah. Number yeah. ten. And was it? Yeah. It had only been out a couple of, I think it had only been out a couple of years when we covered it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So right. it's weird because now it would be considered an older movie. You know, if we covered <laughs> it now, it's an older movie. But at the time, we were like, this just came out. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I mean, it's an interesting thing. Funnily enough, I was look when I was sort of looking, when I um, sort of researched the films and stuff like that. It's quite common now that even if they've, even if we've covered someone previously, it's pretty common now that they've done another couple of movies since mm, yeah. we yeah. last. Yeah, well, the, the green, 
the green knight yes that's, yes that is on my list definitely gonna you really need them. to see that really yeah. really do it's amazing again not again it's another one of those if it wasn't for the fact that I, it'd be a tight squeeze to call it a horror film it'd be fantastic to cover but yeah, okay it's mm. just not but quite it's not quite but again mm. as you said it, it you would have to put it if you had to categorize <laughs> it it would go in as horror because it doesn't mm. fit anything else but yeah. but yeah fantastic movie Wonderful. The thing I loved about that film is, and this is something you'll probably appreciate, Chris, because you've now come to this, or you, I think have you come to the end of your Marvel run, haven't you? Yes, yeah. Yeah, is the great thing about it is that it does expect you to know some Arthurian legend. Yeah. So okay. when, when you go into it, you're like, it's like clocking into like a second Avengers movie or like Iron Man 2 completely cold. So, but you've got to be like, oh, so that's that guy who's yeah. in this uh, in another film or whatever. Like that. So it's like, oh, so that's Merlin, even though he's got like one line. Mm. <laughs> but you know, but obviously, you know, he's a big deal. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> I'm just going to finish off my my segment here by saying, here's the the uh, the spiel that we wrote for it. Join Lee, Chris and Adam as they take the horrormobile back to New England 1630 to experience Robert Eggers' incredible The Witch. Marvel as the guys go skyclad. Don't worry, folks, this is audio only. <laughs> Will they get ergo poisoning? Will they mistakenly suckle a raven? Will they live deliciously? There you go. No, I, I credit where it's due as well. We should tell everyone that Adam writes the, uh, the descriptions for all of the yeah. episodes because... They do make me laugh every. They do every absolutely. Time that fail, so uh... thank you. Thank no, you. I think we need to turn that into like a short book, really. At some point, <laughs> they, they are they are some genius. Oh, like a words. like a Charlie Brooker style. We'll just yeah. the book of the descriptions of all of the episodes. We should. Well, well, what we'll do is this is this is what we'll do. We'll have to we'll have to do a book which is just purely the uh, kind of based on our reviews. Mm. Where it's like just an, an archive of all the films we've watched and how fucking not only that, but also you you would get that impression of wow, we jump about a lot. Yes, you know, <laughs> I've been I've been listening to actually I've been listening to a podcast which I would recommend called Hammer House of Podcast, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, Elizabeth Miles and I'm I'm not doing it's not Elizabeth it's Elizabeth Miles and. Uh, Paul Cornell, who is a um, well, they're both writers, but like Paul Cornell and, Liz- and Elizabeth Miles have both written stuff for Doctor Who, which is why I know them. Um, but it's basically them going through all the Hammer films in order. Oh, um, nice. and it's it's really weird because when you do it that way, you sort of like because you always the way you sort of block them in your head. Mm. And then you actually find out, oh, no, there's like eight films between um, Curse of Frankenstein before you even get to a, like mm-hmm. another big classic or something like that. Because they've not, I don't think they've got to The Devil Rides Out yet or anything like that, but it's sort of, um, and it's, it's interesting as well because there, there, are, there are ones in there that I've never seen, like The Man Who Could Cheat Death and things like that, which are all sort of, they're ones I'm aware of, but I've never either had the fortune to find it on the telly at one point. So just casually moved into it or or 
sort of investigated it. But yeah, it's, I mean, mm. um, yeah, so our scattershot approach, I think, is slightly. <laughs> well, it's funny you saying about, uh, you know, obviously jokingly saying we should release a book. I, I, when I finished my first notepad that we were using, yeah. um, I've got like a proper bound leather book. Um, and when I finished my first one, part of me was like, do you know what? It'd be a bit of fun. We should have a competition and I'll just give it away. Mm. Um, but then I realised whoever gets it would think I'm, I've got some kind of disability just, because I sit yeah. in the dark writing. So it looks such a mess. When I finished with it, it looks like it's been written by a five-year-old. I was like, they're <laughs> going to think I've got broken hands. So I, I, so I decided not to for that reason. Also, a lot of it is things like, so for this evening's movie, I got so into the film, I've written one note, which is, why the fuck is she naked? That's right. It's the, it's the ergot poisoning. <laughs> Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah, that didn't really help. Anyway, sorry. Um, get us back on track. Adam, what horror have you been watching, young man? Um, well, I watched, I finally got it on Blu-ray. I watched Galaxy, I re-watched Galaxy of Terror, mm. which we definitely need to cover on the show just because Ooh, yeah. basically, imagine... Aliens meets Event Horizon. Oh, unfortunately, it's not that, <laughs> but it kind of is. It's a Roger Corman film from 1981, so bit on a bit of a budget, but it's got Sid Haig, um, Robert Englund, mm. and these, and not just like little roles. This is their like you know their main characters. Um, Erin Moran from Happy Days, who used to play uh, Joni Cunningham, mm-hmm. and uh, Grace Zabriskie, who played Laura Palmer's mum. Uh, I do remember us discussing this at length yeah. at some point. I think it must have been our House of a Thousand Corpses or Spider Baby, I'm guessing. Probably around that sort of point. But yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just fucking mad. I've, but um, I've just had a quick look. The summary says science fiction suspense thriller in which a rescue spaceship crew meets up with horrors projected by their own imaginations. That yes. definitely sounds very good. It's it's well, it has that marvelous effect. I think if I remember rightly when I last talked about it, of it's aliens, but they seem to have like ghosts and magic. Yeah, and you're like, that's right. Yeah, and you're kind of like. Hang on. Uh, <laughs> You're aliens. You didn't have to add in ghosts and magic. Yeah, yeah I remember you saying this. But um, but no, I mean it is unashamedly, I enjoy it, and it is a very sort of it's clearly and it's clearly from that era where everyone wanted to do Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um but as I said, but and the other thing is that the production manager is James Cameron. Oh, that's so it does have elements of dry runs for aliens. Yeah. And you've got stuff in there like sort of like all the crew have got backpacks with lights on that feels very like in Alien where they've got like the headlights on the um, on the helmets and they have like over-the-shoulder lights and things like that. And it's mm. kind of like, oh, this is this is you, this is like a demo version of what you're gonna do later. Um, but yeah, I, and I think. Yeah, I just think we should cover it on the show because it's fucking balmy and entertaining. It says um, here, trivia, the set dress on this film was Bill Paxton before he took to acting. Yeah, oh, that's, that's how he knows that's James That's how, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's got to be a, this is a definite. 
I also I also watched because I got I just got it on Blu-ray. I watched the Howling, uh, the Joe Dante werewolf movie. Um, that is mostly because I then want to watch uh, Howling two and three. Yeah. Um, neither of which have anything to do with the, and I've never seen Howling two, so I'm sort of, and it's got Christopher Lee in it, so. Yeah. It has. It's a strange, strange movie. It's it's a bit Texas Massacre to Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. It's like it couldn't <laughs> ah, be any less like a sequel to the first film, but mm. yeah, it's entertaining. And Howling Howling Three, which I have seen, which is also fucking balmy, which is Howling Three: The Marsupials, <laughs> and that's because it's an Australian werewolf movie, and in Australia they do have pouched wolves. Mm. So they've decided to, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'll let you know when I've when I've rewatched when I've watched two and three. So um, nice. <clears throat> I also bought the uh, Arrow Blu-ray of The Mangler, the adaptation of the Stephen King story with Robert Englund, and mm-hmm. um, shit, his name has just escaped me. But the guy from Science of the Lambs who plays Buffalo Bill. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he's basically a detective who's investigating the fact that lots of people seem to die in the giant mangler at Robert England's laundry. <laughs> um, Robert England is beyond OTT and it is fantastic. He's got leg braces and um, like an eye patch, and it's <laughs> yeah, he's, he's gone to town. Now, the reason I bought the film is, is I sort of read a few articles where they were saying the thing is the Mangler got panned on release. But when you actually watch it, it's like Franz Kafka wrote a comedy about uh, workers' abuse and capitalism. And then I watched the film, and no, it's a Stephen King film about a possessed Mangler <laughs> with Robert England going over the top in it. So, you know... <laughs> It's def- It's from Stephen King's object phase, where <laughs> you know it it, it it done cars, and then suddenly he's got a mangler, and um, yeah, it's uh, it it passed the time, but I'm not going to say it was a a world beating, and I also don't think that it was very misunderstood on release. I think it was only too clearly <laughs> reviewed on release. <laughs> um, and also, I watched the uh, Greek horror film The Devil's Men with Pete Cushing and Donald Pleasance, um, which is, I'll be honest, quite a slow movie, but it's shot in like various ruins and caverns and everything in Greece. And so from that point of view, it looks fucking amazing. And Peter Cushing is a complete bastard in it. And Donald Pleasance is once again, a hero priest who's a bit sort of bumbly. So, yeah. And, and also, yeah, the, all, the soundtrack is Brian Eno, which immediately makes me happy anyway. Yeah. But also, the sound, the fucking end music for no good reason is like the Who doing the theme from the Sweeney. It's like this fucking, like, psych rock track. And it's so unlike the rest of the movie that I can only imagine that anyone who fell asleep in the cinema watching it just was, <laughs> what? Uh, what? 
because <laughs> yeah, suddenly you're dan, 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 dan. Uh, yeah, just out of the blue, they just bung that in at the end. But I think it kind of does. It works because then you sort of think kindly on the movie for having more excitement than it necessarily does. <laughs> but um, but yeah, still still a pretty good one. But it's uh, yeah, I think it's Galaxy of Terror that's the recommended one. Mm. Nice. Um, I have been pretty crap. I'm not going to lie. Um, I've been watching loads of stuff. So just to give you a rundown of my non-horror that I won't be discussing, I've been on. A, I'm reading Bob Mortimer's uh, autobiography at the moment. So I've rewatched mm-hmm. uh, The Smell of Reeves and Mortimer. Bang bang! It's Reeves and Mortimer. Um, uh, I watched uh, Rick Reeves' Big Night Out. Uh, I've watched the fourth season of Cobra Kai, unrelated. Uh, and I've just mm-hmm. started Killing Eve, and I've watched the first two seasons in about a week. So um, I've been pretty short on horror, but Killing Eve is amazing. Um, but I did catch up with the new 2022 Scream movie. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I-, I loved every single moment. Oh, that that's interesting. It was perfect. It's really, it's really good fun gore in it it's again that's that my one note is new level gore with about five exclamation marks mm. it's so gratuitous it's fantastic it's only a couple of scenes that kind of stick in my mind but they're really well done and they're so graphic um but no that's interesting because the gore in scream original wasn't crazy no and i think there's an awful, they're, they're, by the end of it there's an awful lot of blood it is, yeah, but, but yeah, but yeah. it's not. You don't sort of remember it for that. No, really. Yeah, no. This is, is really. Right? Uh, but and it's 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 great because I love the meta ness of Scream. But but does yeah. So does this Scream go meta meta? This like, goes. How, dub, it goes double. <laughs> totally it? doubles down on the meta uh, in a way that films like the new Matrix movie tried yeah. to do and totally missed the mark in my yeah. opinion. Whereas this okay. got it. Perfect. Uh, yeah, and it's just really entertaining. Fantastic cast. Um, it's got a lot of the original cast have come back, but it's got uh, like oh, a yeah. whole new cast as well who are all teenagers who, again, teenage actors can be a little bit problematic, but everybody in this is absolutely rock solid. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Excellent. I was really, uh, again, I, I was a bit worried, a bit like The Matrix, as I mentioned, I keep drawing parallels. I thought it was going to be that passing the torch again. So it's like, oh, here's all the new versions of the characters so that we can reboot it without having to have a load of old people in it. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, I don't think that's what it's doing, but yeah, everybody in it was really, really good. So mm-hmm. I was Excellent. totally one. I, I was expecting very little and was, yeah, happily surprised to enjoy it as much as I did. So, um, Oh, and I also, I, I did watch another horror film, but I'm not going to mention its name because we've been tipped off on what the Not For Everyone podcast is doing next. Mm. Uh, but because they don't announce theirs in advance, I don't want to tell it's everyone all. what it is in case yeah. it comes out before, before they uh, release it. But yeah, I've just re-watched that and that was a solid laugh as well. So anyone who watches, uh, listens to that podcast as well, that's their next movie is the one that I've just finished. So on to this evening's main event, uh, a film that Adam and I saw, I think it might have been the premiere. It was a weekend. I think it, was. Um, hmm. it, 
it was also the first movie on at the Gore Fest movie festival in Covent Garden that we were at. Um, it was also the best film of the weekend by a mile, I think, for me. Mm. Um, so we are covering 2009's Blood Night, The Legend of Mary Hatchet. Um, so, Chris, we've not done a lot of slashers before, and we haven't done, I know, low budget as well, obviously, it's worth mentioning. It's got a couple of big names in it, but it's still obviously made on a much lower budget. So what did you make of this on the first viewing? I, as you said, we haven't done a lot of slashers. Slasher is not my top subgenre of no. horror, so I wouldn't rush to watch a slasher particularly. Like, but it it was fun. It, um, so you know, we've watched, I guess, some of the classic slashers. Um, but yeah, I, I can definitely see. I think the the relationships between the characters was entertaining. Um, I, I kind of, I, I suppose, I went from thinking it's a bit obvious it's a bit cookie cutter but also i'm kind of enjoying it so it's sort of like uh, overall i don't know for sure um uh, it's i guess i wouldn't rush to watch it i wouldn't necessarily rush to watch it again but i definitely enjoyed it while watching it mm. so it's a bit of a strange combination I, li- I liked the characters i liked the actors um, I kind of liked pretty much all of the scenes, but then when I sort of thought about the overall story, it's like there's not a lot to it. It's it's obviously a pretty straightforward. There's no real surprises <clears throat> with any of it. It's like if you were going to write pretty much you know a de facto slasher, this feels like it could be it. So in a way, that's good. It's just it depends what you expect, I suppose. So. Um, yeah, and, and I think we watched it mainly because of Danielle Harris. We, uh, mainly Was Danielle that... Harris and also because we saw that, the, the Danielle yeah, Harris yeah. we saw before. Yeah. And you said, mm. again, people making daft decisions and things. Right. And I thought, yeah. well, that is very well, much... But it works in this completely because mm. it is it is that straightforward. They're all, like Kevin in the Woods points out, you know, they're just doing the stuff that... Sort of mostly teenagers, young people do, and and it's going bad for them. You know, they're a bit, they're arrogant. They're just having a great time, and um, yeah. Whereas I guess it, for that film, it seemed a bit um, more jarring, perhaps. I think that film tried to play it a lot more straight. Whereas with this, because it had so much of a comedy. Yeah, and it, it's and the thing is with slashers as well. I, I'm the same as you, and, and I, I believe Adam's the same. They're mm. definitely not one of our favourite subgenres, but when they're done with this kind of fun tongue yeah, in cheek, yeah. and it, it is very, don't take it seriously. Don't think too much about mm. the fact that these people are getting. It's just yeah. a fun gore ride, really, and you just have to kind of accept it. Accept that, that yeah, and just yeah, yeah go with it. <laughs> So yeah, so based on that, no, it, it was it was it was fun to watch. Um, I th- like it was quite a, you know, there was a lot of color. It was a lot of um, uh, dramatic close-ups of her face, especially early on. I mean, the, the very first opening um, scene was uh, suddenly thunder and lightning and the doll, and so as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, okay, well, I'm I'm clearly set for 
this kind of style that this is going to be and it, it carried on throughout i mean that that first the whole first section is quite harrowing mm. where she uh, obviously you know does what she does and then goes to the asylum uh, and then again obviously what happens to her it's like oh, it's a bit, yeah. bit harsh i felt the same i felt, and the, the thing is because we were at the prince Charles. now mm. adam will back me up on this the, the, the if you go to a film festival at the Prince Charles, they are there to laugh at everything. Even if it yeah, is the, like yeah. that mm. beginning bit, they were all laughing all the way. And I was like, this is really <sighs> quite graphic and unpleasant. But mm. uh, but yeah, then once it got into the actual film and it did yeah. more comedy, it kind yeah. of cleansed your palate again and mm. set you up for, you know, we had to give it a terrible backstory in order for the haunting slash return. Yeah or whatever so we had to get that out of the way and then it's just a fun roller coaster from there on in really was yeah that yeah no absolutely I, I gave it that yeah afterwards but it's like yeah the, the first bit does you feeling a bit on edge there um but I, I did i really liked the the characters in it they were very entertaining um some of their one-liners were were great <laughs> it's, it's it's weird because because I, I mean i think i mean certainly that uh, the opening bit um like the the um like the the rape bit mm. that that i think they could have found a better way of doing that because i think that's just too unpleasant for the film that it wants yeah. to be yeah it's I, I kind think of that's a fair argument yeah it is it, very icky and then mm. it it, it, it needs to cut away from that the the one the one saving grace because I mean I think I think frankly I think that that scene just is off. Hmm. I think that that's a, that that I genuinely think is a misstep. They could have done that slightly more subtly. They could have cut away. Yeah. You know the things that I mean. That's the thing. You are dealing with this film. Feels like you asked an AI to write a slasher. Film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in, in so much oh. as it hit. It, or you could show it, this to someone if it was like, right, what is a slasher film? This is, yeah, right. That's absolutely, this, yeah. This it ticks is, all the boxes. It ticks all the boxes, but it doesn't do anything out of those boxes no, that yeah. would that would fog the argument. Oh, because, so, like, if you showed someone Nightmare on Elm Street, then it'd be like, oh, what? So it's always a supernatural person. No, 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 it's mm. not always a supernatural person. This obviously, you get both sides of that. Mm. And but also you don't have any like if you showed I'm thinking like if you're showing a computer right here is a slasher film you'd show them this because it's like it doesn't have like Scream has the postmodern stuff going on yeah. here and you know and so and like like the meta sort of stuff that it was doing in the first one and that would that would screw your idea of what a slasher film is because you'd be like oh so they they know and it's like no frankly the majority of them don't you know mm. sort of that you know there's you know it's sort of or you certainly would and you certainly wouldn't show them thanks killing because <laughs> you, know, it's, you know it's always a big rubber turkey in the first first shot yeah. Yeah. Pair of boobs, yeah. no reason i'd, I'd, I'd like to see what came out after you did that but <laughs> yeah. still yeah that that i think would be yeah I th that would be quite fascinating, but but I do think that yeah, I think the one thing I would say is that because I'll be honest, I 
don't like the 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 gang. I'm very sort of like, when do they get killed? Which is yeah, yeah. a common response in a slasher film. So mm. that is not that is not to say that that is a fault because the That's number of slasher films you watch where it's like the correct way to do when's it. he gonna fucking get it? Yeah. You know, or when 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 they're gonna shut that fucker up or whatever. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You so, so you do have um you do have that element, but weirdly by having that sort of really harsh opening it kind of almost shows you what an appalling is the right, I don't know, but for the fact that this has become blood night and it's like, look, we all wear face masks of this Mm. um, woman who killed her family and then was, you know, and then was brutalised and it's like it's become this very frivolous thing. Mm. So it feels right that they get some form of knockback on that in terms of the vengeance of either the either the daughter or the spirit, mm. because it's kind of like no, you you're you're making light of an absolutely horrific mm. thing that happened, but it's turned into this. It's obviously turned into this urban legend, and then turned into this sort of. Um, Excuse well, for excuse a party. Get pissed. Yeah, yeah mm. exactly. You know, I mean, this is this is the um, this is an eternal argument, I think, really, where it's nice of, you know, if and this is, uh, I'll be honest, I know how certainly I know how Britain works. If you want multiculturalism, it's just any excuse for a piss out. Yeah, you know. So <laughs> as, as long as you, as long as you gave everyone a day off, I mm. think you yeah, know. Everyone everyone like, no, let's go. We'll we'll go with we'll take all religious festivals at that point because we. <laughs> you know. it's but funny, I think that, it's funny you say that on. though, Adam. About you know you hated the group and couldn't wait for them to die. I thought they were great. The part where they're all singing "Attack of the Killer Tomatoes" and you know they're all excited to watch that and, and all in the kitchen making the margaritas and screaming at the blender. Like I yeah I I I I would have been, had fun at that party. I think until the killing started, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I think I wouldn't have been invited to that party. Maybe that's why I hate them. Oh, you'd have been the kid who kind of got his way in but wasn't really invited. and uh... He didn't do too badly. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I think that... Um, yeah, I think, uh, but also the one thing I would say is it's really oddly balanced for a slasher movie in that, like shit goes down then everyone knows why the shit's going down and then everyone just gets picked off in series Hmm. whereas usually it is much more one person goes off gets killed a bit more one person goes off gets killed rather than a like just a straight chase massacre yeah as it were, you know. So that, yeah, normally that I a... think, is the only thing that breaks from... But, but they kind of left... I would consider how a slasher movie works. But they left all the it killings up to kind of the end. Top-loaded. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it did. Okay. Normally you get a couple of people bumped off before mm. the group realises what's going on, whereas in this... Yeah. I mean, the kid in the garden gets killed and, and the couple are having... Set. So, yeah, I suppose it does kind of follow that. But, yeah, you're right. They do cotton on very quickly, whereas normally... There's a few people, a few corpses hanging around for several hours before the rest of the main group sort of cottons on and sobers up enough to figure also, out. That... And, 
and also it's like not necessarily that the entire group get it and they're getting bumped off rather than everyone's aware and and to be frank it's only the last guy that thinks to try and punch her yeah <laughs> you know but I, yeah it's she, she of, did turn into a bit of a terminator sort of character while she well, was I can, hunting I can, them down I, I can honestly say i had to admire her very determined stride yes that's yeah that's it that's so but <laughs> But she is um, great, though, Danielle Harris. Like, yeah, she is. I'd, I'd no, be quite really happy to watch, you know, anything else she's in. Well, it's that weird thing, though, because she she essentially is a screen queen in so much as she's having a second wind of horror. But... What, what recently? She, yeah, but because mm, okay. she was in... So she's still relatively young. Because a lot of the time you get that sort of thing where you get, and it happened with it happened with a lot of like Hammer acts, it happened with Vincent Price. Oh, Barbara Crampton's getting it now, where Bob, she was Bob big Crampton. in the 80s and is now in mm. loads of stuff in the last five or six years. Yeah, perfect example. Caroline Monroe. Yeah. You know, they're sort of people who sort of, they have a brief, uh, they have a brief sort of moment and then there's a bit of time. And then, But Daniel Harris is relatively young because she did... Halloween for when she was 11. Uh, so, you know, so she's been, I think she's been acting since she was like eight. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so she's in, she was in Halloween four and five. Um, so, and then she was in the Rob Zombie uh, Halloweens as well. Um, so, it still always makes me laugh every time I say it. The last Boy Scout is a guilty pleasure of mine that I really enjoy um, with uh, Bruce Willis. Mm. Um, no, I've never seen that, but I'm sure I should have done. It, it is a good film, yeah, and she plays his daughter in that. So again, it's uh. kind of around the same time. So I think after the Halloween films, she did have a, a bit of um, Hollywood time. Okay. Um, but that, again, that was what I, I sort of said when we did the uh, Horror on Sea um, yeah, yeah. episode. She's one of those actresses who does lower budget stuff um, and then occasionally gets mm. into something higher budget. But I'll always watch anything she's in because she generally picks something with a good script that's entertaining. It's very rare that she she plumps to be in a movie and it's a bit of a Absolute. turd. Yeah. So it, it's generally a good gauge. If she's in it, I generally find it's well worth your time to watch. So. I've just seen she was in Don't Tell Mum the Babysitter Said. I'm sure I did see that. Yeah, yes, she is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, that was when she was a lot younger. I think the Soska sisters called her the Natalie Portman of horror. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Seems fitting. So, it's, so it's weird because basically the two, the, the the sort of two veteran actors, and then you've got Bill Mosley, who's obviously again one of those actors who was in, like, he was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and a few other bits. And then when Rob Zombie cast him in House of a Thousand Corpses, then he had his sort of uh, a resurgence recently. Yeah. But it's weird because obviously he is much older than Daniel Harris, but they've probably been, you know, they've probably had a similar career length. It's mm. just that obviously he started mm. acting as an adult, well, I think, like, in his teens or whatever, but... You know, obviously, she's been going a, a lot longer because she started when she was little. So, 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, also, I mean, she must have been, because I think she's 45. Um, So, but I think that she does look much younger anyway. She would have been, she must have been about 30 old when she was doing this. All right. Yeah. But does still look quite young. So, I mean, obviously, it's that classic thing of, we can't get real teenagers in because they're a fucking nightmare. So we've also got to get slightly older people to play the kids. So, but yeah. It's, uh, um, that was the other thing I mentioned. One of the kids, so uh, he was played by uh, Billy Magnuson. Um, he was the blonde guy in the kind of woolly hat with a peak. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, and I, I said to you at the time, Adam, if I remember correctly, I'm sure I said I, I really liked him. I thought he was really good. Uh, and then I didn't see him in anything else until the last James Bond movie. Yes, yeah, I, I saw that he's uh, uh, turned up in that. He's also, just because I love the name, he's also playing Paulie Walnuts in The Many Saints of Newark. <laughs> um, but he was also in USS Callister, the Black Mirror episode. Mm. And the one that's like Star Trek. Oh yes, uh, yes, yes. I need to yeah. rewatch those. Mm. Uh, but also, apparently, he was in your Pretty Faces Going to Hell, but I don't know which episode or anything like that. But we can't get um, that over here, unfortunately. So, so uh, one shit. of the, one of the channels, pull your fucking finger out. We want mm. your pretty face over here, is it? Because I've got I've got the DVD of series one, but that unfortunately, then you know. Bastards meant that we couldn't get DVDs anymore. <laughs> we had to stream everything like piss. <laughs> anyway, and actually, actually, that character is probably one of the few that I would I sort of warmed to more out of any of the any of the uh, the characters because a, a, a few of them I was just like, oh fuck off. <laughs> so, I, I like I like to think I probably would have been like that at school as well. So <laughs> the um, but yeah, I think the the I mean I've sort of like just sort of like looking into it and everything else like that is this is all set and mostly filmed on Long Island in New York, um, but they where is it so a lot but it's kind of based on a Long Island myth called Mary's Grave, mm. which is a series of different sort of stories where basically it's that classic thing of you find Mary's grave, do something, and yeah, something weird something. happens. Yeah. Um, but the um, but it, again, it's one of those things where there are so many iterations of the story, mm. and there are so many supposed locations for her grave that it's you know you know you can see the um it's that sort of classic um urban legend. urban urban yeah. myth sort of thing yeah, yeah. cuz i what was it i found uh, there's there's a an author called uh, Carrie Ann Flanagan Broski who's written a book called Ghosts of Long Island um and sort of like i was reading sort of stuff that she posted and Mary's grave is an urban legend of Long Island, New York, where the search for the grave is the key aspect of the myth. 
as with most examples of urban folklore, there is a great deal of discrepancies both in the grave's supposed location as well as the story of Mary, and she doesn't have a last name. So it's not Mary Hatchet, even though I have seen things online with Mary Hatchet, they only seem to have come since this film. Yeah. Because mm. I remember, because actually, tell me if I'm wrong, but I remember, because that's the weird thing with Danielle Harris, is that she is also in the Hatchet films. Yes. But she only started being in the Hatchet films from number two. And I think, if I remember rightly, when we went to Gorefest, you weren't sure whether it was the second Hatchet film. Yes. I, or I, whether it... Yes. Because it I had Mary I, Hatchet in the title and she was appearing in it. And obviously there'd been people saying, right, she's going to be in... In Hatchet, Hatchet 2. 2. Yeah. And I, yeah think, so right, I, I think I, I do remember having that conversation. Yeah, and I, I wasn't sure what to, what to expect yeah, when well, we got there, but... Yeah, because it was only afterwards you went, well, that's definitely nothing. That's definitely not actually yeah. <laughs> part of the Hatchet franchise. <laughs> um, Fantastic. But, um, in, uh, so there's one iteration, Mary murders her husband and two children, and then she cannot rest because of the guilt, and her gravestone has a birth, uh, has a birth date but no death date, and is an area of strange occurrences. If you shine a torch onto the grave at night, her face appears. Um, in another, Mary was the lonely daughter of a wealthy landowner. In the absence of friends, she befriended and played with animals. Her father built her a stone clubhouse on their property where she would play with them. She then became possessed by an evil spirit, began killing and mutilating the animals before killing her brother and father with an axe. Curious locals looking for the missing father found Mary in bed with the bloodied corpse of her father. The enraged townspeople hanged her on a nearby tree, which, if you can find it, still has the rope burns. Uh -huh. uh, the clubhouse is still is said to stand on private property on the area in the area of Stony Brook. Uh, in some versions, the clubhouse is the site of the grave. There was a test of bravery for young men to urinate on the spot, okay. with the added rumour that those who did would die in a car crash on the way home, swerving Very. to avoid a mysterious figure in white. Um... In a third retelling, the Stone Clubhouse is in uh, Head of the Harbour in, uh, on Long Island. Uh, in this version, Mary is abused by her father in the clubhouse he built for her, and then she kills herself when she can't bear it anymore. Her grave is marked by an angel statue which weeps for all the abused children Mary can't help. And again, it's like, yeah, you missed, mate. All right. It's a bit grim, I, isn't it? It's, yeah, it, keep, it's not... You'd, Keep it light. If it, you know, if it's just something for drunken teenagers to go and do at the weekend, let, let's keep it light, guys. Come on, fucking hell. See, see, but then this is my thing a bit with with the film. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's it's kind of although that that obviously is a comedy moment, but I'd forgotten how that goes. But when uh, she comes in and is like, "Oh yeah, they bullied me at school," yeah. and then I was gag yeah. raped in the shower and everything. And me and Claire watched it, and we, we just went, read the room. It's a party. Yeah. You know, keep it light. <laughs> I, I did quite like the way it turned around, the, the punchline. Yeah, because but, it's just a relief that they haven't gone. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, and a further reading, the tale relocates to the Chandler Estate overlooking Mount Sinai uh, in Long Island, not Mount Sinai with the <laughs> <Yeah>. Bible. Um <laughs> 
originally a resort for boasted clients such as Marilyn Monroe, it fell into disrepair and became a less exclusive, mostly filled and became less exclusive, mostly filled with burnt-out former hippies and students taking advantage of cheap rent. <laughs> Mary rented a room there, having been released from the Kings Park Psychiatric Centre, which obviously is in the film. Mm-hmm. It is the place they go to in the film. Uh, Mary disappeared without paying her rent. Mm. I don't think that's a mystery. Um, <laughs> but her room still appeared to be occupied and people reported light switching on and strange noises emanating from the room. In other versions, Mary is a witch who preyed on children before being burnt at the stake, a woman murdered by two men yeah, right outside her own house, a woman who cheated on her boyfriend who then hanged her from a tree, a woman who murdered her cheating boyfriend but then was hanged from the tree for, a murder, for the murder, and a woman who hanged herself when her boyfriend never returned from war. Uh, yes, so if you take a photograph of the grave, it comes out blank, which mm-hmm. is again really fucking helpful. Um, so yeah, it's it's like a it's like the um, I've not I've not seen anything else. The the director um, Frank Sabatella has only other done one other um, like feature length film, hasn't he? I, uh, I would say his short uh, Night of the Pumpkin is on mm-hmm. YouTube and is absolutely brilliant. Well, if you give it a whirl. I have seen it before. It's like 18 minutes long. It's fairly short. It's really, really good fun. It's great. It's um, uh, it, it's it's daft, as you'd expect. It's a bit kind of trick-or-treat, but... Oh, cool. But, yeah, sort of daft props. and Oh, it's fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, the other film he's done is something called The Shed, a uh, vampire movie from 2019. Oh, I might um, which, which looks quite it looks quite intriguing. I think that to be honest, I think the poor fucker is 2019. If that came out fairly late, I'd imagine that you weren't going to get bums on seats at that point, mate. Yeah, because because we were all going to die. <laughs> so, um, but the um. Yeah, so they filmed it on Long Island. I think the they I, I saw the only two sets, like the only two that aren't locations that are actually purpose-built sets were the file room in the abandoned hospital and the bathroom in the house. And presumably that was just someone went, you're not putting fucking blood all over my nice clean towels. You know, you can you can film in the bedrooms, you can film in the kitchen, but you are not getting that all over the fucking new tiles because that won't come off. So yeah, all that corn syrup everywhere. Oh, and it's exactly. all sticky and smelly. Yeah, no. yeah. Do you want ants? That's how you get ants. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, but also, this was mostly shot at night. Obviously, from the sort of you can see because it's mostly set at night. Um, in the winter, mm. in New York. Oh, God. So that poor cow is standing there in, like, sub-zero temperatures, holding a head in the bloody nude. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's it's like, it. that's, the, that's dedication to your art. That was or exploitation, I'm not sure which. But yeah. yeah, I couldn't work out why. So she was in there, and then she killed everybody. I couldn't work out why she removed all of her clothes before she came out carrying the head, other than to obviously make a great shot. I was going to say, because it's a slasher movie. Yes, <laughs> so it has to. You do. Again, equally, she's naked, she's carrying a head and nothing else, and those two cops just shoot the absolute shit out of her. Like, where do you think she's hiding anything? 
You could clearly have just walked over and put handcuffs on her and put her in the car. There was no need to shoot the crap out of her. To be, to be honest, from my understanding of the American police, I'm surprised they waited that long. You know, she had a head and she was prepared to use it. <laughs> she was coming right for us. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so they... Um, when they were in, like, the cemetery is the Cypress Hills Cemetery in Brooklyn. And um, it was so cold, they would go and take breaks in one of the mausoleums. Oh, gosh. Because mm. just standing outside was fucking biting. Yeah. And similarly, when they were filming in the abandoned hospital, they took in some heaters for, like, the sort of chill-out room or, you know, like the sort of office element of it. But the rest of it, yeah, it's just an unheated, abandoned fucking... <laughs> um, and actually, that they did want to use... Because Kings Park uh, Sanitarium, which is where she gets sent, is a real place, or rather, was a real place on Long Island. Mm. And they wanted to film there, but apparently it was... Because that, again, America genuinely seems to be full of abandoned mental hospitals. Um, but yeah, so this was genuinely abandoned, but it'd been disused for so long that it actually become structurally dangerous. So yeah. they couldn't get to film in there because there was just no way anyone was going to fucking let them. No insurance company would cover them for doing that. Um, so they went to, um, where was it? Uh, Essex Mountain Sanitarium, uh, which had only closed down in 2007 at that point. Um, wow! And again, about, so yeah, so and that was only in New Jersey, so they didn't have to go fucking far hmm. to <laughs> to find another disused insane asylum with like. And apparently, they they barely dressed it because that was just left. Wow. All that stuff that's in there, and all, and obviously people break in and graffiti and all the shit that's in there. Yeah, that was as they found it. Essentially, mm. they didn't have to do uh, too much with it. Um, and and obviously there's the sort of thing of an Essex Mountain, uh, the Essex Mountain Sanitarium also has a fair share of ghost stories. And it's like it's an abandoned mental <laughs> hospital. Of course, it's got fucking ghost stories. Look at all you've spun out of a woman called Mary, yeah, <laughs> who, whose grave you can't even fucking find. Let alone like, look, there's the physical building. There's that decaying castle on the fucking hill. <laughs> so, you know. Um, but this I thought was quite interesting, but also sort of, yeah. Um, although, like, Frank Sabatella and most of the cast are from Long Island and it's set on Long Island, apparently the authorities really didn't want them filming I think it was they. I think it was something like they thought it would affect tourism to have a horror movie, which, which if nothing else, I'll be honest, is really over overcompensating for how wide this they thought this movie was going to get seen. Yeah, because it's not a block. You know, it, it didn't like it wasn't like the Blair Witch. It didn't take mm. millions on its opening weekend. Well, we saw it at Gorefest, and that was its premiere, so it wasn't, yeah. you know. It, and um, but yeah, eventually they were like they kept getting like harassed and fined, and eventually sued by the mayor's office. Mm. I, and I mean, I don't know. I'm only sort of like seeing 
I'm kind of only seeing the one side of that story, which is the filmmakers talking about it. Hmm. But that makes me. But that does make me wonder. Well, how how much permission did you have to film in the cemetery at night? And do you know. <laughs> Yeah, was it all just guerrilla style and uh Yeah, and you just got you just got tagged a lot. Yeah. From um so yeah, so I mean it's, it has it has some interesting sort of um relations to local folklore. And I'd imagine and I'd imagine I'd imagine that for Long Islanders it must be quite do you know what I mean? That, that it's like Oh well, that's that. That's there, and that's there. And I was yeah. I was down there the other day, and you know it must just have that sort of lovely element to it as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, even, I, that on, even that on none of them watch it because the mayor said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I remember at the time really enjoying this, and as soon as it came out, I bought it on DVD, and uh, yeah, I've watched it loads. It's as you say, it does have a couple of icky scenes that do feel out of place in it um mm. but yeah i just if you can put that aside which i know is difficult um yeah i just find this a really fun but i think it's that like you know as you said adam i think generally with the with the friday films and stuff like that they make the teenagers so horribly obnoxious mm. that you kind of it puts me on edge the whole time they're on and whereas with this lot, they felt more realistic. I mean, that's kind of how teenagers are. You know, some of them are funny, some of them are jerks, and they don't all get on. And some of them get on with others better. And it, it just oh, it's people, yeah. Mm. It just felt really uh, kind of realistic to me. And mm. yeah, I, I just always find it a, a fun ride once you get over those couple of bumps. Which again, it, it's and I think that's the thing with slashers and stuff a lot of them they, they do set up a kind of grim backstory to make oh, it yeah uh, that does yeah. it is a very common thing so but it I didn't think have you, to show you yeah it could it's have ways and means of doing it i think i would have respected them to find a better way of doing it because hmm. at that point it feels a bit more sort of gratuitous or titillation almost where it's like yeah no no Seriously, if you're doing that, if if you put that in because you think someone will be genuinely entertained by it, mm. Mm, you not, know, yeah. you might want to you might want to rethink who you're aiming at, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's similar with um, a film that I keep saying I want to go back and rewatch, and I, I, I and I can't because I can't face the first fifteen minutes of it. The ritual. That was to say that was that was the one where we one watched that gets, fairly early on as well. But yeah, oh, go on. I can't yes. quite remember gets, the start mm. though. One gets killed in a guy gets killed in, in a an robbery, off license, and there's a robbery yeah. goes yeah. on, and they take his ashes to go camping. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, and end up in the middle of a strange cult, and it's it's a brilliant film. Mm. But again, like this, the first ten or fifteen minutes are so completely different to the rest of the film that you have to mm. kind of ride the unpleasantness out and then you get into a fun you know like their again it's their comedic camaraderie between them all and stuff going on and it, you do kind of forget it but then when you think about going back it's the first thing that hits me every time with the ritual is oh god i've got to go through that scene <laughs> in the shop again yeah. like, and i just can't I th- face it 
I, th- I think I think with the ritual because it is fucking brutal that bit. Mm. But um, I think with the ritual, it weirdly, I find it more justified there because it kind of explains the rest of the thing. Whereas this mm. kind of feels like, oh, this explains why she killed everyone, and it's like, but she's already killed a load of people. Yeah, yeah. You, do you know what I mean? I mean, okay, it sets it up. I mean, it sets it up so that she has a daughter. They could have even just had, oh, well, she got pregnant. And mm. you could even go down the creepy route of, well, clearly she was clearly she was raped by someone else in the hospital. Or was it Jesus? <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? You could go the Immaculate Conception route, which would yeah. suit with the supernatural element to it, maybe. Yeah. And sort of, you know, it's just a weird sort of... It's a weird sort of uh, thing. I did have to look up menstrual psychosis, though, just to see if it was actually something, um, like you know, something they hadn't made up for the film. Yeah. Um, but it looks like no, it was just something that some doctor made up to uh, say women they're off their fucking head, aren't they? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I sort of yeah, I looked it up, and they said that there's it possibly exists, but to such a rare extent that it may not even be a thing at all. Mm-hmm. And if it does exist, it's possibly as a, it's more like a, a, a hormonal, the hormonal changes of the menstrual cycle may exacerbate an underlying mm. psychopathy or mental illness yeah. rather than, you know, you, you've got, you got the menses and some people turn nuts. <laughs> so... In yeah. the same way, I suppose a lot of things can exacerbate an underlying. Yeah. yeah well, exactly. You know, I mean, mental clear, illness. Clear, yeah. let's face it, clearly, Sid Barrett should not have done all that acid. Because, you know, there, it reacted, it met something in there that really enjoyed it. And unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. And that's why you end up quitting a very successful band and then painting in your garden for 40 years and setting fire to them. So, you know, it's it's not good, I'll put it that way. <laughs> uh, also, most of the literature on it seems to be either, um, a, because it's a very rare condition, it seems to be a lot of hearsay and anecdotal mm. evidence. And most of the books that do mention it tend to come from the sort of late 19th, early 20th century. So, you know, a, a time where psychiatry and psychology are in their infancy and most of the theories are now considered horseshit so it sort of seems to be that um yeah it's a thing that bubbles around but i think mostly yeah i don't i don't think it's necessarily an actual diagnosable medical condition mm. although uh, uh, although obviously very effective for this yes so. yeah it did work well for this to be fair um because, yeah, that was my first thought, was I'd forgotten that that was what triggered it. So when we watched it, and then, you know, the mother goes in and finds the root, and I'm like, right, so nothing's happened yet. She, you know, she hasn't mm. attacked anyone yet, and yet the window smashed, and there's all this blood. That was an awful lot of blood as well, just, mm. to, just to put it I out think, there. I, 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 I think that's what would be referred to as a heavy flow. <laughs> Desperately. When you've, it, cut, when, you, when you've redecorated the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, God, it was a mess. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I love the idea of you sitting there going, "And who's going to clean this up?" Yeah, 
Interesting enough, though, that apparently they had different. I think they filmed the they filmed the flashback afterwards, but they used like I think he had a different crew, like he had a different cinematographer and everything. Mm. And it does it does feel slightly different at that that start sort of. It does, really. yeah. So yeah, maybe that maybe yeah that that was tagged on afterwards, but uh, yeah, that's why it feels so so jarring and different, perhaps. But well, I suppose you, I suppose when you're operating on a very small budget, you want to get the body of your film in, mm. and then worst case scenario, Bill Mosley turns up and just explains, <laughs> oh, she killed her family and then killed everyone at the hospital. Yeah, you know. Because I, because I, I do, I, I remember us taking issue with that at Gorefest, though, where it was like starring Bill Mosley. Yeah, yeah, he's the very top billing as well on IMDb, and he's got maybe ten minutes of screen time, and, and I love him. And it they're was, good screen time; oh, they are good oh, minutes. Yeah. But yeah. And actually, on the note we were saying about this is just an interesting little coinky dink. Um, since we last met Bill Mosley when we were doing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. Um, he has appeared in Prisoners of the Ghostland with Nicolas Cage, uh. which was directed by Sion Sono, who has a cameo in Tokyo Gore Police. Oh. So, there you go. Nice little, nice little link there. Uh, I tried to watch that film. I was like, it's Nicolas Cage, it's Bill Mosley, it's post-apocalyptic mm. samurai. What could go wrong? How could it possibly be terrible? <laughs> I got about 20 minutes in and was oh, like, this is interesting. Whole that, shit. that makes me want to go and check it out now oh, just to see what, what could it have done wrong. It's so I'll, bad. I'll, I'll be honest, it's not just Lee that I've heard uh, say <laughs> this is not great. Um, and, and mostly people in that, basically coming at it from exactly the same level. Yeah. Where it's like, how did this go so wrong? Is Nicolas Cage in his current form? Yeah, in an amazing you know. car and yeah, with in an amazing cast. And, and yeah, like how can you get it wrong? Brilliant but, director. And yeah, it sort of yeah, yeah. went a bit went a bit tit sideways. It, I, I think it felt a it, it just felt like too much. It felt like they tried to cram too even in the first 20 minutes, they tried to cram too many things and subgenres and like nods to oh it's Nicolas Cage. Well he's got to be driving a, a you know a big old matte black dodge and he's got to have a sword and he's got to, and, and mm-hmm. it's just it was just too much going on it didn't it didn't gel at all it was just a lot it was like if someone had said to me just give us all your favorite things and we'll put them in a <laughs> which is what another wolf cop is which still makes me laugh every time but it's is a it werewolf so- movie with ice hockey and you know uh, there's a a beer factory where they're poisoning the beer to affect people like it, it felt like I had written it in a dream. Yeah. <laughs> I'd gone to sleep on a Friday night having watched the ice hockey and a, a horror movie, and that's what had come out at the end, and drinking way too much beer, and that's what came out at the end of it. But another Walcott worked. and yeah. it, it's, But you're saying that Prisoners in a Ghost Land is much more like when Homer designs a car for his brother. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it should be cool and have fins. Everything have you need. Dump. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, uh, just one other thing that uh, the porno that they watch is a genuine vintage film from 1973 called That's The Water it. People. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we didn't see too much of that. Again, we just saw enough to know what was yeah. going on without it being 
uh, yeah, uncomfortable. That I did. That I did like, where it was like, "Oh, great, we'll watch this," and it's like, "Oh no, it was just what your dad put on the tip." But it was his Paul nose dash. Yeah. And, although, although, admittedly, how old are her parents that he's using fucking cine film? Yeah. <laughs> I was worried about the fact that they all loved Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and knew the song and everything, and yet they got a good three or four minutes in before they suddenly went, "I don't remember this anyone getting their boobs the- out." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, the one the, that was the other thing as well, which I was I was convinced someone says it and they don't. But when Bill Mosley tells the story, like Creepy Gus tells the Cemetery Gus, what is it? Creepy Gus, Cemetery Gus. I think it is Creepy Gus. Yeah, Creepy Gus. When he tells the story, at no point does anyone go. But if they had their heads chopped off and the baby's <laughs> missing, who told who you told what happened story? before they got their heads chopped off and the yeah. baby was missing? <laughs> But no one actually does. No, but again, that's always the case with these slasher films. Mm, The backstory is always, you know, somebody kills everyone and disappears, and yet everyone knows exactly how everything happened. Um, Right, yes. So just to wrap up, uh, so Chris, you said you enjoyed it, but you probably wouldn't go back. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it It was an enjoyable watch. Some flaws some great bits but it's not my typical film that i would rush to watch no that, that's fine it's not going to be the next witch where you come back to it in six mm. months and it's probably not going to go around my mind too many times wondering about the you know finer <laughs> details that's fair <laughs> enough adam how would you like to sum, uh, I, I, summarize I, I think i think chris has put it the right way i think it's sort of like you know it's not a film i'm necessarily going to rush back to i mean i hadn't since we saw it, the one thing I will say is that it is a film that reminds me of going to Gorefest, mm-hmm. and that, and for that alone, it gets a pass just because, yeah, we had a great time. And Indeed. also, I was trying to, I was trying to remember as well um, because if you, that was the, um, they were giving away free monster, weren't they? Mm. Oh God, yeah. That, so it was and that sponsored. backfired quite badly, didn't it? Like? <laughs> it did very badly. It was sponsored by Monster, so they just had massive fridges outside the entrance, uh, full of cans of Monster, and all along the sort of the it's not quite a picture rail, but like a ledge in the bar mm. area mm. was just all Monster energy drinks. And it was just like just help yourselves. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I don't think you bought a single drink that weekend i think you just purely fueled yourself on monster i did well what i was doing was i was having a monster and then a beer and then a monster and then a beer Uh, but i think because we were there all day i think i had about eight or so of both so by the end i was both drunk and so full of caffeine uh, i could hardly string a sentence together i was so jittery were you already a monster addict before this or is this i had tried it before um But yeah, this is where I got to try all it's the flavors really that you can get your hands on in the shops and stuff. So I was like, oh, I've got to try that one. Oh, I've got to try that one. I've got to try it. And then, yeah. yeah. And then didn't sleep for a fortnight. Yeah. <laughs> Probably why I still can't sleep properly now. It could be. Yeah. yeah. There's still residuals just tapping away <laughs> at your neurons. Hello, yeah, wake up. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, so uh, from me, I, I really enjoy this film. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's always a good laugh. It is a late night. It's one of those films. 
at the end of the night, you know, it's half past 10. I should probably think about wrapping up and going to bed, but I'm going to have a few more beers and I'm going to stick this on and just have a bit of a giggle for a, Again, think, it's nice and short, hour and 20 minutes. So. Yeah. yeah. And actually, that's probably the thing as well, is because I'm, I'm, I, this time around, I watched it and watched a film. Whereas when we saw it at Gorefest, it was that communal yeah. experience. Mm. This film, as a party film, would work. It, and in actual fact, it probably works better where you've got, because you, it's not hard to pick up where you're yeah. left off, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you can it's get not like someone put like, on beyond it? the black rainbow yeah. and said, "Right, let's let's all fucking get levered to this." So. <laughs> cool. Right. Anyway, so thanks very much for listening, everybody. Uh, we are back in a fortnight's time. Uh, we are going to be watching Triangle. Um, yes. I won't say why we are watching Triangle because I don't want to give Chris any spoilers. I want him to go in absolutely completely this the way yeah. I did. So don't watch the trailer. Try not to look too much at the box art. Just watch okay. the movie. Oh, okay. And I won't look it up. It's, oh, it's a, yeah. It's a, mm. a very interesting, I think it's going to have a lot to talk about for that film, to be honest. So uh, I won't feel so guilty not watching a lot between now and then to talk about <laughs> in the uh, catch up. And I believe it's actually the same year. Oh, yes, I think you're right. I think I think this is one of the first times when we've basically hit a mm. hit two films from the same year. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to that as well because again, it's one I've been dying to show Chris just because. Yeah, yeah. we won't go any further than that. No, definitely not. Right. So thanks ever so much for listening, everybody. Uh, don't forget go and check out Not for Everyone podcast if you want to know the mm-hmm. film that I've been watching. Uh, don't forget to go and check out Eerie Essex, which we've also been enjoying too. Yeah, the latest episode on uh, has been like uh, haunted theatres and mm. uh, uh, sort of uh, haunted theatres around Essex. And I was very pleased to reassure them that they did pronounce the Curzel correctly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was at the Curzel actually when we went to Horror on Sea. Uh, I-, I didn't watch the first film, so I had to wander down because they've got bowling in there. So my initial plan mm. was, while they were watching the film, I was going to go bowling, but uh, it was shut, unfortunately. <laughs> but never mind. Good excuse to go and have a KFC and a cup of coffee. Right. <laughs> Thanks ever so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you in a fortnight. Good night. Good night. Good night.